and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This is a spoiler-free podcast. So whether you're watching for the first time, or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary from a 21st century lens. Thank you for listening. Now, on to the episode. Season 6, Episode 18, Entropy. And you are listening to two sick hosts. <laughs> yeah, the things we do to bring you an episode every week. <laughs> I mean, honestly, when am I not sick <laughs> on this podcast? Um, but you are very rarely sick. It's true. I know, but we're, we're, <laughs> we're pushing through because, I mean, we need all the energy that we can get to get through this episode which was a test on my patience. Yeah, but on the bright side, Steph, you know, I'm sure there are happier episodes ahead for us. Oh, absolutely. This is obviously the darkest before the dawn. I mean, the way this episode ends, you know, things seem to be improving for certain people. I'm sure it's going to be fine. Everyone walks away happy, and that's for sure. It just takes a while to get there. Um, the way I shouted at my television while I was watching this episode. I scared my baby. I was literally like, shut the fuck up, Xander. It's just, this is an episode, and I think a lot of people agree when they think about this episode. Uh, It is infuriating in a lot of ways. That's fair. Um, Did you have an alternate title? Because I really don't like the title of this episode. I think it doesn't really fit. Entropy, which means like what? Like um, random chaos or something? Like what does entropy mean? Entropy is the tendency for systems to tend towards disorder. So I can understand, I think, what the writers were going for in the sense that, you know, what happens between Spike and Anya, the way that it causes more mess in the Scooby's relationships, I can see it. Lots is breaking down in this episode. You know, the trio's evil plots are starting to be revealed, but I don't know. It's just such a blah title. I would have called this episode Not Over You. Mm, that's a Gavin DeGraw song I really like. I would have called it Hot Mess. <laughs> that works. I mean, that is kind of what entropy is, so good job. But Thank you. Well, let's get this hot mess over with, huh? We open on two vampires running for their lives as the trio chase them on four-wheelers, I put. They could be called something else. I don't know. You notice, Kara, that we are introduced in this episode in the scene to our very first Asian vampire of the season. <laughs> Where have all the Asian vampires been this season? I believe earlier in the season, we commented on this and I said, UPN, <laughs> not hiring their their Asian stunt doubles as much as the WB did. But yeah, they're, they're running from the trio. They manage to knock Andrew off his vehicle, which causes the other two to crash into each other and they all fall off their vehicles. And Andrew says, we're going to lose them. And the vampires are running to the gates of the cemetery, like to leave. And Jonathan says we need that disc. And the vamps are exiting the cemetery just as Buffy comes in her full winter gear again to stop them. This is the longest winter Sunnydale has ever seen. Is that a metaphor for the chilliness that is the season? Do you think? Because I don't think, I don't recall in any other season this much winter gear. It's just, a, it's just the trend that Buffy's enjoying right now. 
<laughs> cold on the inside, cold on the outside. Um, as Buffy starts beating up the Asian vamp, because of course she would go for that one first, uh, Spike has is sitting on top of the gates. Like it's just he appears <laughs> and um <laughs> he's watching Buffy fight the trio. And um, he lifts the other vampire up with his hand. Like, Spike's, like, super naturally stronger than any other vampire. The disc that the vampire's holding falls to the ground while this is happening. Warren sneaks up and takes the disc without Buffy or Spike noticing, and the trio run away. Now, we never understand why these vamps have a disc. We don't know what the disc really is. Like, we find out later what it does, but, like, it's very loosey-goosey. Oh, you don't think it's a playlist? It's Oh, yeah, it's a CD. <laughs> It's their mixtape. <laughs> yeah, this vampire is like a DJ. <laughs> Sexy beats for bite sex. <laughs> Some sick summer beats coming our way. Uh, Spike says, asks how Buffy is doing. And she's like, oh, fine. Say mold, say mold as, as she fights the vampire. And Spike says, I could take care of this one for you if you want. And Buffy says, whatever your call. Like, you know, they're being they're being casual. And Spike says, well, he doesn't look like much, but I wager he could give you a bit of a nasty, save you the staking. All you have to do is, and Buffy says, I am not telling my friends about us. Because recall, Kara, in the last episode, Spike gave her an ultimatum. He said, you better tell your friends about us or else. And Buffy says, you want to tell them so badly? Go ahead. She stakes the Asian vamp. Rest in peace. Buffy says, you know why? I tried to kill my friends and my sister last week and guess how much they hate me. Zero. Zero much. So I'm thinking sleeping with you, they'll deal. And I was like, oh, that would be nice, wouldn't it, Buffy? <laughs> like, how naive. She starts to walk away and Spike drops the vamp who runs to her back. And as he's running toward her, Spike says, in that case, why won't you sleep with me again? And the vamp is like, huh? And he turns around. Buffy stakes it in the back, dusts. And she keeps walking away and she says, because I don't love you, Spike says, like hell. So this makes me happy that Buffy's like continuing to hold true to what she did with that breakup and as you were, and she's not giving in to Spike anymore. So that makes me happy. But also casual sex is okay too, Buffy. Like saying that I I can't sleep with you because I don't love you. You and I have talked in the past about how Buffy's never had anything casual. She very much equates sex and love together. But also, to be charitable to Buffy, maybe what she's meaning here is she she knows that Spike loves her, right? That's what he's telling her over and over. So if she's taking him at his word. If he loves her and she believes she doesn't love him, then it would be unfair to use him for casual sex. So this could also be read as... Buffy's recognizing that she was taking advantage of Spike's affection for her, and that has to stop. Yeah, no, I like that reading a lot better than what I was getting at there, but um, it seems like she's not going to continue having casual sex with him. That's good. So Xander is in his apartment drinking beer on the floor while listening to sad music. So he looks upset, he turns off the music and leaves, and as he's walking outside... Anya is watching him from the bushes, and I was shot back to pangs when Angel was watching Buffy in the bushes, these demons and their bush watching. Cut to credits. So let's go to UC Sunnydale, where Willow is catching up with Tara outside her class, and they're awkward about it. And Tara asks her how she's doing with the whole basement deal, and Willow's like, oh, I'm okay. And Tara asks if Buffy's enjoying the refreshing sanity and so forth, and Willow laughs a little bit too hard at the joke, she's trying really hard. And Tara points out that Willow has been making this meeting her after class thing a regular thing. And only this time she stuck around. And Willow is super awkward about that. Tara says she's just a friend because recall in the last episode, Willow saw Tara greeting a friend 
and got freaked out and left. So Tara says, you rushed off before I could explain. And Willow says, they should have coffee sometime. And Tara says, she's free tomorrow. Willow says, you can bring your friend. And Tara says, oh, I wasn't going to. If you have a friend. And Willow's like, no, I'm friendless. And then they, they blabber about not having friends or having a lot of good, good friends. And then they're both giddy and awkward and happy. And they're going to go for coffee. We cut to Buffy and Dawn, who are walking down Sunnydale's fourth street, I said, because they have like the main street, then a couple of side streets where people live. And then this is like the big busy street. And Dawn is pointing out the many stores that she cannot enter anymore because she stole from them. And Buffy teases her for stealing a toothbrush from one of them. And she's like, you know, as far as rebellious teenagers go, you're kind of square. And Dawn says dental hygiene is important. Yes, yes, it is, Dawn. And Buffy says the sister, uh, but the sister's day is not going well. She tries to make up for trying to kill her by taking um, her to places she can't go in. And Dawn says, I'm the one that got caught taking stuff. And I was like, that's not really, <laughs> Dawn, that's not really the issue. The fact that you got caught. The issue is that you were stealing stuff in the first place. So I really liked how she Good point, that, good point. Right? She's like, oh, it's my fault for getting caught. <laughs> so... Buffy suggests going to look at the puppies in the pet store. Dawn says that they're, that's awful. They're puppy mills and keeping them in cages and poking them all day. And Buffy says, but puppy, he's cute. You used to love the pet store. Dawn says, when I was five or six. And Buffy looks disappointed. And Dawn says, let's go look. Besides, there's not another store where I can show my face. Buffy says, it'll pass. You returned all the stuff that you still had. And we're paying off the rest. Dawn says, I'm paying the rest. Buffy says, we'll figure it out. So I think it's interesting how these two scenes are back to back. Uh, we're seeing both Willow and Buffy trying to repair some of the relationships with people that maybe have become strained, you know? And so Willow was really super cute and adorable in the previous scene. It reminded me a lot of when she was crushing on Oz mm -hmm. uh, and not too sure what to do with herself. And then, of course, here we have Buffy and Dawn. Buffy clearly trying hard to make it up to Dawn that she's being a little bit more absent uh, because she was busy having sex with Spike. Um, and, and Dawn also kind of trying to make it up to Buffy because Dawn knows that she's let Buffy down by stealing things. I, I just, I think it's cute because I, I think I will be harsher on this episode in a little <laughs> bit. So I, I want to register that, you know, there are lots of good moments in this episode. There's a lot to enjoy about this episode. I just think that it's a little bit of a messy episode, as we're going to get into quite soon. A hot mess, you might say. Jonathan is working on some sort of potion. Warren is rushing him. Jonathan says, if, if something goes wrong, it'll surge and we'll be deader than your ex-girlfriend. And Warren's like, what did you say? And Jonathan's like, just let me work. Warren's like, all right, you do what you need to do. You get us the goods and then watch out. It'll be like the whole world just spread open and gave it up to you, man. And Jonathan says, we're, we're done, right? We each take our share and call it a day. And Warren says, you're that ready to get rid of us? Don't worry. We pull us off and you can go buy the tropical island you want. Cheer up. You're about to get us everything we ever wanted. Jonathan just nods and Warren goes to Andrew, who's a little ways away. And Andrew says he sort of feels kind of sorry for Jonathan. And Warren's like, that's a weakness. <laughs> and Andrew says, okay, he's got that look on his face. The same one when I highlighted in his Babylon 5 novels, right before he told his mother on me, Warren, I don't think we can trust him. Oh, Andrew... You have the emotional maturity of a turnip. <laughs> so true. And Warren says, we don't have to, not for that much longer. Andrew says, is it going to be soon? Warren says, the milk of the fridge, how long until it expires? And Andrew just babbles on about the milk until Warren just says, okay, okay, it's going to be soon. And Andrew's like, oh, wow. So clearly these two are plotting something to do with Jonathan, right? Do we care at this point? Like, No. 
This episode is working so hard to remind us that the trio is a thing. And I'm just like, can we just give up on the trio at this point? It's truly the least interesting part of this episode in an episode that already like gives me so much like angst and anxiety. <laughs> like you'd think this would be a break, but like, I don't like this. I'd rather more angst, <laughs> you know? So Xander enters his apartment and Anya is sitting at the table and stands up when he comes in. He says, oh my God. And she's really nervous, you can tell, because she's like fidgeting the whole scene. And Xander's like, please, let me explain. I know there's nothing I can say or do to make up for what I did. I can't. Sometimes when I wake up in the morning, I think, oh, God, is this my life? Was that me? And Anya says, me too. Xander says, you got to believe me. I want to make up for it. I want to take away the hurt. I love you so much. I may have practiced that a couple times in the mirror. And Anya says, I don't understand what happened. Xander says, I'm an idiot. All I had to do was say something earlier. I could have spared you that nightmare. Anya says, said something about what? Xander says, no, no, I, I mean, if I were if I were like more self-aware because with the whole idiot thing. And Anya says, if you had been more self-aware, you would have what? Been able to stop the wedding? And Xander's like, it's not like that. Okay, see, I didn't practice this part. And Anya says, do you still want to get married? Xander stares. Anya's like, oh. Xander says, it's a very complicated question. Anya says, no, actually, it's really not. It's kind of either or deal. Do you want to get married? So I want to stop here for a second because this episode does really lay out Anya's character. I have a lot to say about her as we go on. But um, here I was I, I, like, they, they have this really interesting conversation about their future. And Anya appears to just be really caught up on the, the wedding and the marriage. The only way she can see them being together is if they're married. You know, like, why? Why is that so important to her? Because we raise women to believe that being married is the end-all, be-all state of a romantic relationship. And Anya has internalized what it means to be, you know, a vital young American woman from all of the propaganda. And happy, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, she's steeped herself in that for the last several years. So for Xander to give her her special day and then rip it away from her at literally the last moment. That stinks. And I understand where she's coming from. I hear what you're saying too, but I, I think that she's well within her rights to kind of say to Xander, if you're not ready to marry me right now, if you need more time before you're ready to get married, right? Like she has to respect that from him, but also like she, she's within her rights to say, I'm sorry, like you've screwed up too badly. Fair enough. Yeah, I think for me, I'm just more like, Aunt Anya, you're not ready to get married with this man because your relationship is not at that level of compatibility yet, you know? So like, calm, calm, calm. Right. And and that goes back to what we were talking about two weeks ago in Hell's Bells, where he should never have proposed to her in the first place. Like, that was the problem. Mm -hmm. The problem didn't begin with him leaving her at the altar. The problem was he rushed the proposal. And did she pressure him? To keep his word and tell everybody, yes, but that's understandable. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think it's okay for a couple to reevaluate their priorities. I mean, I'm not the hugest fan of marriage. If people want to have a stable romantic relationship without marrying, I'm all in favor of that. But you have to be honest with each other about it. And that is something that Xander and Anya have been very bad mm -hmm. at maintaining. Yeah. So, so let's continue. Xander says, someday, yes, very much, as in he wants to get married someday. When we're ready, 
I don't want you to take this as a bad thing. It's good. I love you. I love you so much. I'm just trying to be honest with you. Anya says, yes, honesty now. Congratulations, Xander, on being honest now. I wonder what the medal will say. And Xander says, clearly, I'm not handling this well. Anya says, well, duh. <laughs> so she turns away from him and he says, all I want is for us to be together. I love you. I wish we could go back to the way things were before. Anya's face morphs into a demon face because remember... <laughs> She was confronted by de Hoffren at the end of Hell's Bells, and we didn't know what happened. Clearly, she was welcomed back into the Vengeance Demon fold. So she says, and I wish you were never born. But the thing is, Kara, she didn't use her deep demon voice. Can you imagine if that was the problem this entire time was she just forgot to turn on the voice? <laughs> Um, also, damn it, because it didn't work, right? So cause I wish you were never born. And we could have had an alternate universe where everyone is just fr thriving and feeling good about themselves because Xander isn't there to harass them all day. Buffy's still with Angel. <laughs> so Xander says, I know this, this is all coming out wrong. Anya looks surprised that nothing happened. So she goes back to her normal face, turns around and, and says, I wish you felt the pain of a thousand searing pokers boiling your heart in its own juices. And Xander's like, I know, honey, and I totally deserve that. And Anya says, I wish you had tentacles where your beady eyes should be. I wish your intestines were tied in knots and ripped apart inside your lousy gut. And Xander's like, they are. And Anya's like, right now? Does it hurt? And Xander's like, God, yes, it hurts so bad. It's killing me. Anya, I love you. I want to make this work. And Anya's like, those are metaphor intestines. You're not in any real pain. What's wrong with me? And Xander's like, it's not you. It's me. And she pushes past him and storms out. And Xander chases her. And that is like the end of that scene is actually quite funny. But we do need to talk about Anya in depth. Because my first question is... Does Anya have a soul? Did she always have a soul when she was a demon, right? When she was a vengeance demon before she became human. Did she get a soul when she became human? Now she's not a demon anymore. Oh, she's no longer a soul. A but, I'm sorry, but the, the, I have to ask that question because my second question is, she was just going to kill him right there in the apartment. You know what I mean? So like, and we're going to talk about that a lot more because that's not the end of Anya trying to kill him this episode and um again like it's a funny scene and later it's gonna be funny too but it is a very serious thing that she's trying to do here so my first question had to be what is it with a vengeance demon do they have souls or do they not I would say no so I would say Ooh. when Anya became a vengeance demon she gave up her soul uh when Giles broke her necklace and she became human again she got her soul back right just like and Angel was able to get his soul back after he lost it. Her soul still exists. It's just no longer residing in her body. And now that she's become a vengeance demon again, she's given away her soul, right? Because the whole idea is you're giving up your soul for power, right? This is, it's, she was a witch before she was a demon. Uh, and she basically made a deal with the devil, in this case, to Hoffren. She gave up her soul in return for more power. And that's what's happened a second time. I mean, that begs the question, too. Like, when vampires lose their souls, when soulless vampires wander the earth, are they, like, truly, like, just more evil? And we know this is actually true because we've met so many demons that don't appear to be as evil as vampires are. Right? We got Clem. <laughs> we had that, remember in season three, we had that that demon that's trying to sell books. <laughs> yeah. The, the ascension so books. So I think kind of the point that we were making back when we did Faith on Trial was, like, 
is murdering a demon, you know, if they don't have a soul, is it still a murder or whatever? Like, demons can still do good without souls, right? Like, Clem can still do good. He just doesn't technically have a soul. You know, I'm sure there are things that he does or things that he's seen other demons do that would appall us. And he's just like, yep, that's just a demon thing. You know, like, Spike does good even though he doesn't have a soul. He doesn't always do good, but I'm, I'm willing to stipulate that sometimes he helps. Um, so, like, I think we've established that having a soul is not a prerequisite for being a, a good person sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's just much more difficult for somebody to conform to what humans view as moral and correct without a soul because you're missing that little spark inside of you, that little voice saying, this is the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, and that's what we're seeing here with Anya, right, is back when she was human, she because she had spent a thousand years as a vengeance demon, she was still used to talking shop and talking about people having their guts ripped out and whatever. But I don't think she would have been comfortable instigating that. Whereas now that she's a vengeance demon again, she's like, I'm back in business, baby. I don't think she would kill Xander. I think she would hurt him but keep him alive. Like, that's how her vengeance magic works, right? Is it's like he would be in eternal suffering for as long as she wants before she lets him, you know, expire. Okay. Well, thank you for that because I, I needed to establish that first as we continue the episode. Does she have her soul or not? We're going to lean on the side of she does not. But it's interesting because when I think about in season three, when we met Anya, she lost her powers. She became mortal. The second time we met her was in Doppelgangland. And she was still pretty evil. Like, she watched those vampires tear up the bronze, didn't care, was, like, like willingly yeah, giving up humans. Yeah, she was out of practice after a thousand years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm just saying, like, like you were saying, like, she had a soul at that point, but was still doing shitty things. Well, so I think a question is, why didn't she have the kind of hangover that an angel had when he got his soul back that first time? Because he's cursed. His soul is oh, a curse. Oh, no, that's a good point. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So I guess it depends on how you get your soul back. Right? Like his is, is put on him and he's like, this hurts. I didn't want this. So, um, all right. So good. Glad we established that. We're going to cut to our girls in the cafe. Halfrek and Anya having coffee. Halfrek is talking about how she cursed a dad to get paper cuts every time he touches a piece of paper that isn't a check for his kids. <laughs> and she's like, I hate to toot my own horn, but now his hands are just covered with all these tiny little bandages like a quilt. And Anya isn't paying attention. And Halfrek's like, okay, do they not teach listening skills in the human world? And Anya, <laughs> Anya's hair in this season has been on point. Like, she looks great. Yes. I do not like her hair in this episode. It's rebound hair, my dear. It's crisis hair. It is crisis she hair. She went to the salon and she's like, make me look different. She was like, don't do my roots. Just give me a perm. <laughs> well, I mean, that's also like the early 2000s look of the show, right? Like earlier uh, in the scene with Buffy and Dawn, I, I could not stop looking at Michelle Trachtenberg's low-rise jeans, and I'm just like, uh, which are coming I'm, back? Did you see them know, in the store? Oh and my they're God. not a good idea. When will we learn? When will the human race learn? Oh dear. <laughs> so, so Anya says, "Sorry, I'm just distracted." Halfrex says, "This thing with with Xander. Don't worry, you'll figure it out a way." And Anya says, "I've tried every curse I know. Nothing's worked." Halfrex says, "Did you try to curse him yourself? You can't exact vengeance against someone on behalf of yourself, silly. How long have you been away?" And Anya says, "I haven't been scorned by a man in a thousand years. I never had to make a wish for myself." 
There has to be some way around it. Halfrick says, you can try to get someone to make the wish for you, I suppose. So Anya, you are bad at your job that you don't even know the basic rules of hey, It's been like <laughs> a week. Okay, she has a lot of continuing professional development to catch up on from her three years away. Yeah, three years away. She's got some mandatory training courses that she has to attend. She's probably her corporate email account probably hasn't been reactivated yet. She's missing all the memos. Like, it's just so funny to me that she's like, I don't know the rules. I was like, you did this for a thousand years. Her key card to get into the vengeance demon dimension isn't working yet. That's (laughs) why she wasn't inside Xander's apartment. She can't portal yet, so she can't lurk inside corners yet. That's that's probably what Halifax's doing there right now. She's giving her her onboard. Maybe. Right? She's onboarding her. At Buffy's house, um, it's the same day, the next morning. We don't know. I guess it's the same day because Anya is wearing the same clothes later on. Uh, Buffy's making pancakes and fruit salad and toast and cereal for <laughs> Dawn. Uh, and she says they should go out tonight or stay in and get pizza or rent a movie. Also, I didn't know if you had plans this weekend. And Don says, Buffy, I'm going to be okay with the basement thing. Really? You weren't you. And Buffy says, oh, this isn't guilt. I just want us to spend time. And Don says, okay, good. I love spending time. Uh, And before she can say anything else, Buffy says, but I'm cramping your teenage style. I'm the embarrassing mom who tries too hard. When did this happen? Which I thought was a really cute joke. Don says, What if instead of you hanging out with me, maybe I could hang out with you? And I like how Dawn turns it around and like the way she's speaking, you can tell she's she thinks she's really clever by turning the tables on Buffy like this. So Dawn says, why don't I come patrolling with you tonight? Hey, like crazy thought, right? But what if I went out with you? Just came to me. I haven't been practicing this. In front of the mirror. And Buffy says, oh. And then maybe we can invite over some strangers and ask them to feed you candy. And Don says, you guys went out patrolling every night when you were my age. And Buffy says, true, but technically you're one and a half. Ooh, like a key joke. We're getting a lot more <laughs> the last couple of episodes. Uh, Don says, I just think I could help. And Buffy says, I'm sure you could, but it's a little more dangerous than I had in mind. I work very hard to keep you away from that stuff. I don't want you around dangerous things that can kill you. And Don says, which would be perfectly reasonable if my sister was chosen to protect the world from tax audits. (laughs) But my sister is you and dangerous things that want to kill me seem to find me. Touché, Don. Touché. That's such a good point. Buffy says, but you don't need to go looking for them. Now eat up. You're going to be late for school. I actually agree with Don here. I'm curious to see how this will play out later, but like she has a point, right? Like she's constantly getting kidnapped. She's always in trouble. Give her yeah, some they skills. Should at least be teaching Don self-defense at this point. So we're, let's cut to Willow and Tara's coffee date. All right. Uh, Willow is filling Tara in on everything that's happened um, since the Double Meat Palace episode, a.k.a. the Trouble Meat Palace. <laughs> as Buffy's called it. Um, And Willow is like, let me put it this way. If I wasn't gay before, (laughs) and that made me laugh because she's referencing the penis head. Fair. (laughs) Tara says that she's been back at the dorms, right? So we're wondering, like, where's Tara living? She went back to the dorms and they just had a room open for her. No, they kicked somebody else out, Steph. They're like, Tara wants to come back here? Oh my God. Like, we we need to let her come back here. She's such a good student. And they just, they're just like, Ryan... You're out. <laughs> or maybe Ryan died. Oh, that's that's a good point. Yeah, now that Buffy's not patrolling on the Sunnydale campus, I'm sure that the mortality rate has gone back up. 
right? Like another Sunday has moved in. Remember that Tara had that sewer room with like black walls and like one giant window. So maybe that wasn't a dorm at all. That's just like a storage closet that they let her stay in. You know, it's probably <laughs> She's very being likely. squatting this entire time. <laughs> yeah. So she says it's not the same. It's not like having, not like staying in a household with family or sharing a room with someone. And Willow says, someone you're friends with. So Anya walks up just now and says, hi. And Willow hugs her. Tara's like, we've been so worried. Anya says, I couldn't stay here, not after everything that's happened. Willow says, you're back now though, right? And Anya's like, it's complicated. There's a lot to deal with. Actually, there's an eensy something I could use a little help with. You're lesbians. So the hating men will come in handy. Let's talk about Xander. Okay, so we're about to enter a pretty hilarious scene, honestly, of Anya talking to all the Scoobies, uh, trying to get them to accidentally w- accidentally wish for Xander's death and or maiming. And this is what I, what I wanted to double check about Anya's soul earlier, because the scene, this, this like, you know, coupling of scenes is quite funny. Like, I do want to laugh at what they're saying, and it, it is supposed to be funny, but Anya is trying to kill her ex-boyfriend for breaking her heart. And now that she's a demon, like we can now say like, well, she probably has no problem with that because she has no soul, but it is bad, right? That's like Warren bad. Okay. So here's a question I had as I was watching this scene. Do the Scoobies understand what Anya's trying to do here? Like, I think if if anybody gets it, because Willow in a moment is going to say like, what's this all about? If anybody gets it, I think it's Buffy. But I'm not even sure about Buffy. So, like, do they understand that Anya's trying to get them to wish something bad happens to no. Xander? No, they're so clueless about it. So I think it would be better if they actually were clued in. Because I think that would say something to, like, the weird and twisty morality of the Scooby's universe. Where it's like, we just happen to be friends with people who think that this is appropriate behavior, right? Um the fact that they're not clued in, I think, makes it worse because then it means Anya's trying to manipulate them and basically turn them into her stooges. Yeah, and that's exactly what's happening because I don't think they had it. They don't, they don't know that she's a demon again, right? And later, Dawn mentions that she learned from, you know, not saying the word wish anymore, which is great. But um, yeah, Willow and Tara, like, answer her questions. Buffy's just not playing her game. But I, I think they're completely oblivious to what she's actually trying to get them to do. And, uh, like, again... It, this is bad. And when I say it's Warren bad, it's because Warren murdered his ex-girlfriend this season. And you and I uh, were very angry about that, obviously. So Anya, in this case, is doing something very similar. She she would have murdered him. And it's played for laughs. And I wonder if the writers even considered that the viewpoint would be that this is actually quite serious. Well, well yeah. What if we flip this around? What if it was Xander trying to seek vengeance on Anya? Yeah. Would it still be as funny? But like that's the thing is that they they continue to not take Anya's character seriously. Like this whole thing is supposed to be a joke. I don't know if it's a joke so much as it's an interesting metaphor for these very messy breakups where you know both parties have some role in it, and Anya in expressing her desire for vengeance is basically expressing a desire that a lot of scorned women have, right? Which is, I want the pain to stop. I want to make him hurt because then it's going to make me hurt less, which isn't true, of course, but love and heartbreak are not rational. So I, I, I see this as just kind of the show, once again, using a metaphor. I'm sorry, I know we're not the metaphor podcast, but bear with me here. 
Um, once again, the show is using a supernatural ability or phenomenon as a metaphor for something that we ordinary humans have to deal with in more subtle ways. So Anya is heartbroken. Uh, she wants to distract herself from her own heartbreak and solve her wounds by making Xander suffer. And an ordinary human woman does not have access to a vengeance demon, but in this universe, she does, and she's trying her best to exploit that access. Um, so, like, I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, I think that that overly kind of literal reading of what's happening here might jeopardize kind of the emotional resonance that the show is going for. I know. I think it's because I just keep getting seesawed as to what offenses are we supposed to actually take seriously and what is a metaphor, as you just said, because like Angel and Faith are held to such high standards of atonement when it comes to the people that they murder, uh, whereas Anya's been slaughtering men for thousands of years and nothing's happened to her. And here she is trying to do it again to one of the Scoobies and it's just like, haha, <laughs> you know? Okay, but I so I think Anya's checkered past is a separate conversation. Yeah. Um, and we've brought this up before, and I completely agree with you on that point. Like, the Scoobies welcomed Anya into the fold far too readily, considering her past transgressions. Um, much like with Angel, right? Like, yeah, Angel straight up murdered people for 200 years or whatever, right? Or 100 years, and then he got better. That's different from, you know, now that I have my vengeance powers back, I want to wish vengeance on my ex. I'm not condoning what Anya's doing here, but I, I do see that as this is a, a separate thing for us to talk about, which is mm -hmm. what we're doing here. Um, yeah, it, like you're absolutely right. The Scoobies have a very bad track record with basically being like, oh, you did murders? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, and like not just the Scoobies, obviously the writers too. They, they seem to just not take... Anya's offenses seriously and I just wanted to draw attention to that because I found it so interesting I was like she's trying to kill him it's only a problem if they do it on the Scooby's watch right yeah. like <laughs> yeah Angel didn't have a problem until he started killing people in Sunnydale Faith no problem with anything from her past until she killed somebody in Sunnydale Anya whatever until she starts killing people in Sunnydale it's like the Scoobies <laughs> are just like if we did it if we don't see it happen Right. We're cool with that. <laughs> Turning a blind eye. So <laughs> cut to Dawn, who's in the magic box, and she's saying he feels awful. Anya says, you think it's anywhere close to what I feel? What if it were you, Dawn? What if all you dreamed about was that magical day, the day where that one person you love with all your soul would promise to cherish and protect your heart for the rest of your life, but instead he shatters it into a million jagged pieces? And I was like, whoa, Anya. I, like, again, like, your dreams are your dreams, but, like, dream bigger, girl. <laughs> But also, like, know your audience. Don is a 15-year-old girl. Don doesn't know what love is at this point. You know, love to Don is some kind of heartthrob poster on her ceiling, right? <laughs> and Kevin at Sunnydale High. Like, Don at this point is not going to be moved by this speech. I think you need to wait about two years before Don's receptive to that kind of speech. I agree. Um, so we come back to Tara, who's saying, it's not so much about hating the men. And Willow says, we're, we're more centered around the girl-on-girl -girl action. And her and Tara smile at each other. And Anya says, and men really like to watch that, that kind of stuff, don't they? Men like Xander. Point, Anya. Cut to Anya on Buffy's porch. Buffy is saying, I don't think he could feel any worse. And Anya's like, let's test that theory. <laughs> and Buffy's like, Xander's my friend. I know what he did was wrong. And if that happened to me, and Anya's like, you'd wish his penis would explode. <laughs> no. So 
Don says, I never use that word anymore. And Anya says, coagulate. And Don's like, W-I-S-H, that word. There are vengeance demons out there that are still active, remember? Any I wish can totally end in horrible grossness. And I was like, oh, Don, you've learned. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, good job, like, Don. Mm. So Anya says, give me, give me a for instance. So we cut back to Buffy, who says, I don't really think I should. Anya says, did I mention the whole left of the altar thing? Didn't leave that out, did I? And Buffy's like, no, look, I know what he did was wrong. It must have been torture. Anya's like, okay, let's talk about torture. And Anya is now (laughs) telling Dawn, so tell me more about wishing Xander's brains and guts would go bluey. And Dawn says, I didn't say that. And she's like, yes, you did. No, I didn't. I heard you. I swear I didn't say that. Say what? (laughs) So Don's like, um, I just saw you were back and wanted to talk to you about working off my debt. You know, my whole sticky fingers, grabby hands thing. And Anya's like, oh, right. The mad thieving. (laughs) Good. Yes. uh, There's much to do. Gonna put you to work, Missy. So back to Xander's brains and guts. So Anya is now sitting next to Buffy on the porch and she's like, squish, squish, squish. And she's like moving her fingers <laughs> as she does this. The guys have been running roughshod over you for years, torturing that perky little ticker. Aren't you sick of it? Don't you wish guys like that? And Buffy's like, whoa, guys? There's only been four, three, three, three guys. That's barely plural. And Anya's like, didn't each of them rip your heart out? Don't men like that, as to pick an example, Xander, deserve to be punished? And then we cut back to Willow and Tara. Willow says, well, Xander is a guy, so it's, it's not that surprising that he likes to watch girls. What, why are we talking about this? <laughs> I don't know, Willow, and frankly, I'm uncomfortable. Anya's like, we're comforting me. And Tara's like, well, I guess it's natural for guys to be interested. And Anya's like, God, what kind of lesbians are you? If you love men so much, go love men. And she storms away. So again, really funny, but like problematic in some ways. Uh, As she's leaving Buffy, Anya says, so what? Xander doesn't deserve to suffer for what he did because he's your friend. I'm not right. I get it. And Buffy says, that's not what I'm saying at all. What he did was wrong. He knows that. And Anya says, it hurts. He hurt me so much. Buffy says he really did. I wish that. But then Xander comes up and interrupts the wish and says, Anya. And Anya says, congratulations. They all still love you, even after what you did to me. And actually, this is a point that I had brought up in the last episode, Kara. Where I was like, you know, they're they're very supportive of Xander, right? They're like, I, and I was kind of like, shouldn't they be giving him like a little bit <laughs> more, or at least getting him to explain a little bit further, or making him feel, I don't know, like I again, I do feel what Anya's feeling here. No one is empathizing with her, right? Like they they're they're saying Xander feels really bad, like like we can't say anything bad about Xander, and like we understand where you're coming from, but like it's not what she needs to hear, and like. Just, we think that she's looking for a wish, but really, I think she just wants someone to understand, right? Like someone, someone say something mean about him. Yeah, that's exactly what I was talking about, right? Is it's like, if we read it super literally, yeah, it's terrible. She wants his guts to be twisted out on a poker or whatever. Like, but that's not really what's going on here. It's a metaphor, as you're saying, for she just needs to confide in people. And I, I think what this is demonstrating is... This is the problem when you make your significant other's friend group your friend group, right? Like, other than Halfrick, Anya doesn't have any other friends in Sunnydale that we know of, uh, and, and, and certainly no friends who are outside of the Scooby friend group. So that's a problem because, of course, the others are going to take Xander's side or at least kind of pretend to be Switzerland. Uh, Anya needs some more friends who are just her friends. That's exactly what I was taking away from these conversations with all the Scoobies was just that like at the end of the day, they are in Xander's 
pocket. So Anya storms off. Xander tries to follow her, but Buffy stops and say, not crazy about that idea. And Xander's like, I have to go after her. Buffy says, or in the land of the sane, you could give her some space and let her cool down. Xander says, that's not proactive guy. That's sit around and watch the rest of your life turn to crap guy. And Buffy says, at least crap guy gets to keep all his appendages. Xander says, I'm supposed to what? Walk away? And I was like, yes. <laughs> Yes, you already walked away, Xander, so continue walking away. Xander says, it shouldn't be too hard. That's what I'm good at, right? And then he kicks a garden gnome that's beside Spike's favorite tree out in the front, and it breaks. And again, Xander with his violent emotions, right? We, t- we talked about this in The Body. I believe we established it is 100% okay to destroy gnomes. <laughs> They're creepy. They do not deserve to live. Right, but Xander is prone to destroying things when he's angry. <laughs> and also... Things that are not his property. <laughs> Except gnomes get a pass. You don't like gnomes? They're creepy. They do not deserve to live. Well, you know how I feel about gnomes, dolls, anything that's a little with eyes. <laughs> I'm a fan. I like the little, I do, I will say the one exception is like, I like animated gnomes. Like the, there's a little gif that's a stop motion gnome knitting a, or yeah, knitting a heart. And it's really cute. Uh, but garden gnomes, creepy do not deserve to live. I will log this away in my memory if ever I want to come scare you really bad. So as Buffy is saying, a heart to heart is probably not your best course of action right now. You're both angry and upset. And what the hell is that creepy little thing doing in my yard? Did Will put that there when I was dead? Because if I had known, I would have crawled out of the grave sooner. <laughs> See, thank you. Buffy's on my side. Also, we miss these uh, I'm dead jokes that she used to do so much at the beginning of the season. So They find a camera inside the gnome and they wonder who left it. And Xander says, let's see who's obsessed with Buffy. Who likes to hang out in her yard and keep an eye on her? Who's in love with you and not getting any? Xander? Yeah, I mean, Xander, are you describing yourself? Did you put that gnome there? (laughs) Cut to Buffy showing the camera to Spike. And she says, someone was using it to spy on me, on my house. Xander thinks it's you. Way to throw Xander under the bus, Buffy. I'm surprised they didn't suspect the trio immediately because they've already done surveillance they've on They've written her. the trio off just like <laughs> we have because this show hasn't seriously built them up as villains. Well, also like any excuse to get Buffy back to Spike's crib, right? Spike says, oh, the great Xander thinks so? Shudder. Gasp. It must be true. Um, and then once again, using that homophobic language, Spike, he says, oh, he's always had it in for me. Every chance he gets to try to stick it you believe it, don't you? You think I'm spying on you. You think I could do that? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes? Yeah. Spike? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. <laughs> Buffy says, you don't lie or cheat or steal or manipulate. And Spike says, I don't hurt you. What? <laughs> what? I think uh, he honestly believes that stuff. But did, did, does he think that we didn't watch Smashed? <laughs> Buffy says... I know. Spike says, no, you don't. I try to make it clear to you, but you don't see it. Something happened to me. The way I feel about you, it's different. No matter how hard you try to convince yourself it isn't, it's real. And Buffy says, I think it is for you. And she turns to go. Then she says, I know that's not what you want to hear. I'm sorry. I really am. But Spike, you have to move on. You have to get over and Spike interrupts her and says, get out. <laughs> so she leaves. And then Spike sings, I'm just Ken. <laughs> it's true. It's true. That's in the deleted scenes. <laughs> um, oh, dear. Oh, dear. So 
Anya's bitching to Halfrek again at the magic box saying, I just don't understand what's wrong with these people. And Halfrek says, did you really think that they were the ones who would help you? Do you want retribution on Yanka? And Anya says, I want Xander good and cursed. So Halfrek says, then you know what you have to do. And Anya says, get a wish from someone who doesn't freaking love him. But my social circle is a little limited here. What am I supposed to do? Just stumble upon someone who doesn't give a fig's ass if Xander gets hurt? And welcome Spike as he walks right in at that point. Perfect timing. Says, hey, I need a thing. Zoom in on Anya's face. She says, what's your pleasure? Spike says, fresh out of pleasure. That's why I'm here. Numbing spell, maybe. Anya says, uh-huh. Hang on. And her and Alfred go to have a chat. Sidebar. <laughs> yeah. And I'm actually genuinely upset that Halfrek and Spike, they don't have any scenes together. Like, they don't, they don't talk anymore because in... We don't know that. Well, we don't know that. But we don't see it. Whereas, like, like she's Cecily, right? So, like, just they should have had some sort of... They should explain it more, but they don't. Um, I just prefer to believe that she still thinks that he's beneath her, because he is. <laughs> so she yeah, doesn't even give him the time of day, you know? So Anya says, Spike hates Xander. Maybe I could get him to wish, damn it, if only we, he were a woman. Okay, got it. If I could get someone to wish that Spike were a woman, then I could go to him. Well, he'd be her by then. <laughs> Pronouns, yeah. You got to practice those, Anya. <laughs> um, I just I love I love how that's like immediately Anya's solution is just like, well, let's just take my plan and add another layer of convoluted plan to it. That should be fine, right? And Halfrek says, on Yanka, there's an easier way. I know you have this whole female power, take back the night thing. I think that's cute. But I've been telling you for decades, men need a little vengeance now and then too. Maybe this is a good chance to try this out. Good luck with that. Ta-ta! And she goes because she is fantastic. Now, my question is, do you think Halfrek, but maybe you're not the person to ask, Cora. I was going to say, do you think Halfrek is implying that Anya get over Xander by getting under Spike? Or is she just trying to like, yes. you know, you should work on him to get him to wish? No, I completely agree with you that that was the inference I took away from it was, yeah, yeah Halfrick's like, just get back on that horse. Right? <laughs> There's other ways to get around this. Um, so Spike apologizes, for, apologizes to Anya for busting up girls' night. Anya's like, that's okay, I'm ready to do some business. Spike says, got something that'll dull the ache a bit. Anya says, yes, Giles left a couple of supplies here that I think may help. Eases the herd, makes the sun shine a little brighter, even makes boring people seem very interesting. She's like, ah, here it is. She puts a bottle of alcohol on the counter. Spike grins. In the summer's dining room, Willow is doing computer stuff. She's tapping into the camera's signals. Xander is saying, if it's not Spike, I think we already know who it is. Buffy says, I want to find these guys. So cut to these guys. Jonathan is finishing up the spell that he was doing with the disc he says uncover and the disc lights up and shoots a laser at a map and he's like that's it that's where we're supposed to go but then the map lights on fire Anya and spike are doing shots and spike says so then this girl says real for you and anya's like but getting back to xander <laughs> so spike says xander let's not waste any more breath on that wanker and anya says but he made a fool of me and nobody seems to care enough to do anything fair enough anya honestly if i was in anya's position i too would be like can someone please talk shit about him with me please so spike says i care what he done to you i never stooped that low and i'm an evil soulless thing according to some people <laughs> So Anya says, shouldn't he pay? Don't you wish he'd have to pay for some, in some horrible way? Spike says, absolutely. I'd take him on myself if it wasn't for my little handicap. And Anya says, hypothetically, what do you wish you could do to him? Spike says, you name it, pet. You're the wronged party. Something gruesome, I'll bet. And he pours him another shot to take. And we cut to the trio who are putting the fire out with Jonathan's blanket. 
Uh, cut to Willow, who says, I think I've got something. Anya is pouring them another shot, and she's saying, the thing about it is, none of this was my idea. I didn't ask to be human. And Spike says, right? And I didn't ask for this bloody chip in my head. And Anya says, tell you the truth, all I wanted was to use them and lose him. I hadn't had a good tumble in 1,000 years. And Spike says, me too, the using part. I just wanted to know what I was missing. Move on. Anya says, then he was all bumpy in the right places. Ugh. And nice to me. And I was like, was he nice was, to you? I was about to say, <laughs> but also... Query staff, do you want guys to be bumpy in all the right places? Is that a no. thing? No. What does that mean? What does that mean? Um, and when she says, I want him to be nice to you, to me, it's like, um, when was he nice to you in the first little bit? Like, never. Yeah, but to be fair, Anya's standards were, were based on men a thousand years ago, where nice to you was not accusing you of being a witch and torturing you at the stake. That's fair. Um, and we just need Anya to raise her standards. Okay. So Spike says, she was so raw. I never felt anything like it. No. Yeah. Now Anya says, next thing you know, I'm changing to please him. I cared if he cares. I'm off my guard, happy, singing in the shower, doing my sexy dance. And Spike says, exactly. But I have no dance. But that implies he does. Lies. He totally has a sexy dance. Willow is saying that the technology is pretty sophisticated. Lots of booby traps and firewall stuff. But when you look at the screen of her computer, did you see it, Kara? It's I like, know. It's like, are it's you like, just dragging this out, Willow? Have you hacked this five minutes ago and you're just kind of like making it more dramatic? <laughs> the image is like circles, like a bullseye almost and like a long line. I was like, is she on paint? <laughs> like, the, what the, she the writers wasted. They spared no expense. <laughs> Um, with the techno babble for this episode, you could tell that not a single person in this episode cared about the the hacking lines for the cameras. They're just like, Willow does computer stuff. It's fine. Don't think too hard about it. So she's looking at for the location. Then she says, whoa, there are, there are other cameras. So Anya and Spike are doing another shot. And they're saying, screw them to the rafters. And Anya says, I did everything for that man. Is it ever enough? Spike says, never. I was always going above and beyond. I saved the Scoobies how many times? And I can't stand the lot of you. And Anya says, me either. Everyone's so nice. Nobody says what's on their mind. Spike says, you do. That's why you're the only one I wouldn't bite if I had the chance. I have nothing but respect for a woman who's forthright. Drusilla was always straightforward. Didn't have a buggering clue what was going on right in front of her. But she was straight about it. That was a virtue. And Anya says, Xander didn't think so. He thought I was rude. And Spike says, that's because he's one of them. Uptight, repressed. It's no wonder they couldn't deal with the likes of you and me, love. We should have been dead hundreds of years ago, but we're the only ones who are really alive. Ah, uh, so much bullshit. Yeah, but they're drunk now, right? They're drunk and they're just leaning on each other for some support. And I actually can get behind that. And I have a little bit more to say about that in a little bit, but... I've always liked the dynamic between Anya and Spike. It was actually... Oh, agreed. Yeah. It, it was actually back in the worst episode of all time where the wild things are when they first got drunk at the bronze and then they went to the house party together and you and I were like loving it. We're like, these guys have so much in common. They're both yes. transitioning into the human world against their will. They can lean on each other in that, but they never really did. Sorry, when I say Spike is spouting bullshit, like I believe he's being truthful with Anya where he's like, I've respected you, you know, you speak your mind. That part's not bullshit. The bullshit is like, oh, you know, we're the only ones who are really alive. It's like, Spike, stop trying to make yourself feel special. <laughs> well, you might be starting to hit on her at this point, right? So so Willow <laughs> has found more cameras. Uh, they're at the Double Meat Palace, the Bronze, Campus, Xander's work site for some reason. So I guess the trio keeps moving whenever he goes to a new work site. I don't know. 
Um, Willow continues the search. Meanwhile, Spike and Anya are finishing off the bottle. Uh, Spike offers her the last drink, and she says, thank you. And he says, take it quick before my chivalry runs out. Um, But she puts her hand on his, and she says, no, thank you. It feels good to be with someone who understands. Spike says, intimately. Anya says, this whole time I've been coming on all hellbent and mad, wanting his head, but really I can't sleep at night thinking that it has to be my fault somehow. What if he's just pretending? What if he never wanted me the way I wanted him? And she starts to cry, and then she apologizes, and Spike puts his hand on her face, and he says, uh, he would have to be more than the git he is, Anya. He'd have to be deaf, dumb, and blind to not want a woman like you. Anya says, then why? And Spike says, the two of them, they're weak is all. So he is, of course, referring to Buffy at this point, but that's unclear to Anya. He says, I'll tell you what, though. They'll miss the water now that the well's gone dry. Oh, oh, car spark. We get it. Uh You have a big dick. (laughs) Anya says, too hot to handle. Spike says, too hot. And he leans in and Anya says, one question. Can I see your sexy dance? And Spike says, I'll show you mine. Anya says, what are we doing? And Spike says, moving on. And they start to make out. The two of them together makes a lot of sense to me. I actually kind of wish that they'd been doing this since season four. Also, this is so real, right? Like getting drunk after your breakup, sleeping with, you know, a random hot guy that's totally wrong for you. It's a normal human coping behavior. Is it super healthy? No. But is it realistic? Yeah, it really is. People do this all the time. Yeah. So meanwhile, Willow almost has that last camera isolated. She's having trouble. Back at the magic box, Anya stops Spike and says, I'm only doing this because I'm lonely and drunk and you smell really good. Does he? <laughs> Spike says, see, forthright. And I like, I, like you just said, Spike, I think that this is a good pairing in the sense that- Did you just call me Spike? <laughs> I said Steph. You said just, no, you said Spike. <laughs> Sorry, you just look so much like James Forrester. <laughs> I know, I get that a lot. <laughs> We're going to leave this in. Um, I, I think that, you know, they both- are very realistic with their expectations for themselves, right? It's like Spike knows that where his self-respect right now is, he doesn't care that Anya is sleeping with him for those reasons. He's just like, she's a warm body, let's have sex. Um, and, And so, you know, power to the two of them for living that casual sex life and also just kind of like not putting too much stock in terms of like, oh, you know, like Anya doesn't respect me or whatever, Spike's just like, I don't care. I don't need to be respected. Well, no. And like, hey, these are two demons, right? And they just got dumped. And of course, they're, they're going to find yeah. souls in each other for whatever reason they need. So a buzzer goes off at the trios. And Andrew says, they tapped into our feeds. Something's wrong. Dun, dun, dun. Spike is pulling off on your shirt. He throws away all the items that are on the table. Uh, and then... Steph wrote in her notes that he mounts her. Does he not? (laughs) That's what he does. Um, I never like this move when you see it in TV or in movies where they sweep everything off the desk so they can get each other on the desk. Oh, it's such a mess. You're going to break things. You're going to be stepping on broken glass. (laughs) Also, and you don't have to answer this from personal experience, Steph. I feel like that table's not going to be comfortable to have sex on. Yeah. I'm gonna say about that like, like yeah go find a couch or something or even just like the floor like take your coat off and like put your coat down on the floor like that's a solid wood table yeah yeah so like the drama of it like the passion of it i understand but like for me i'm like ugh, 
just I, it would be in the back of my head as the deed is being done. I'd be like, gotta fucking clean that up after this. Splinters. <laughs> so Willow finds the magic box in the, the camera and she stands up and she says, whoa. And the trio is shutting down all the cameras on their end. And then they see the magic box as well. And Warren's like, what is that porn? And Jonathan's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And Andrew's like, Spike is so cool. I mean, the girl's hot, too. <laughs> Way to save. Good save there, Andrew. Good save. So Anya and Spike get it on, on camera. And Xander and Buffy come around to look. And Willow, like, Willow could easily just tell them. Willow (laughs) could slam the laptop shut. She could cut the feed. But no, she wants them to see. Willow is stirring the pot. She doesn't save Xander from having to look at this. She's just like, oh my god. And he comes to look. And Xander says, oh god. And then the door opens. Dawn comes in. Says, hey guys, what's up? And again, no one thinks to just close it so Dawn doesn't well, see. So, so she comes up to the laptop. And she sees what's on the laptop, obviously. And then Willow reacts. And <laughs> She's like, oh. I, I, I love what she does, which is she she puts her hand in front of Dawn's eyes, like, cover your eyes. Again, doesn't slam the laptop lid shut. Doesn't yell, we're watching porn. Like, yeah. no, just like you let her see it and then you cover her eyes. And it's adorable, <laughs> but also completely ineffective. Yeah. And the thing is, is like well, the person you want to protect this from is Xander and no one did. So Xander's just like, well, what is she? And Buffy looks upset too, which is interesting. Willow's like, Buffy? So Willow and Dawn see Buffy's face. Buffy says, that's enough. And she goes outside. Xander leaves the room. Uh, Willow goes back to her computer, <laughs> probably to record it or something. Uh she follows Xander, who went out the front door, but he's taken a weapon from the trunk. <gasps> Dawn goes to Buffy in the kitchen, um, out to the backyard, and Xander walks down the sidewalk with a purpose. Uh, Dawn and Buffy are talking in the backyard, and Dawn is saying, this is the stuff you've been protecting me from, you and Spike. And I was like, did she not tell you this last week, Dawn? Like, she said it to your face, like, sleeping with a vampire, I hate she kind of already let the cat out of the bag. To be fair, Dawn was also a little distracted by Buffy completely going crazy, so... That's true, but, like, she did say it. Even if even if my sister was going crazy. If she told me that she had been fucking some <laughs> evil vampire while yelling at me, I'd have been like, what? <laughs> so, Buffy says, and a lot of monsters, but it's over with Spike. And Dawn says, I wish you had told me. Buffy says, I kind of didn't want to admit it to myself. Don says, I get that. I know it must hurt to feel like you have to hide to keep secrets from everybody. Don's being real mature. She hasn't even tried to make this about her. Right? I mean, she's. what is she comparing this to? She's like, I, I understand like that my stealing and keeping secrets from stealing is the same <laughs> as this, as you sleeping with Good Spike. Good job, Donnarella. Right? <laughs> Donifer, you win. So Willow tells Buffy that Xander's gone and he took your axe. So... Just let's just get this out of the way right now, okay? Because the rest of this episode is chaos. Uh, no matter what, it's never okay to try to murder your your ex's lover with an axe. Correct. You should use a crossbow instead. <laughs> you should always use something a little that causes a little less mess. So Anya and Spike are post-coitus and they're quiet. Anya starts cleaning. As Spike is leaving, they look at each other and Spike just nods at her, you know, like, good good o and then he leaves. <laughs> so. I just had a thought. I don't want to ask. I'll ask you after we're done recording. I don't no, want No, ask me now. Everyone wants to know what you're asking. Ask me. I don't know why I have these thoughts. So do vampires ejaculate when they have sex? 
What do you mean, Carl? We've talked about this before. We've talked about vampire splooging. <laughs> Have we not? Have we not covered this? I feel like we cover liquids all the time. If they can poo and pee, they can absolutely ejaculate. I was just I just had this random thought of like, does Anya have to like go pee after she had sex with Spike? Anya would have to go pee right away because you need to pee no matter what to avoid getting a UTI. <laughs> Right. Um, but like, yeah, in terms of like, is she filled up with his sperm? We don't know how he came. He could have pulled out. <laughs> like we we legit don't know. I regret breaking this up. We'll have to ask Willow. <laughs> Willow would know. So Spike goes outside, but he dodges Xander's axe because he literally tried to chop his head off. And the axe gets lodged in the doorframe. Uh, Xander throws Spike to the ground. And Spike isn't fighting back, which is fascinating um just as buffy catches up and i was like genuinely surprised that willow and dawn didn't come along like wouldn't you for the hot goss <laughs> like, like i like for the drama i, I would be dawn's like, trying to scrub the vision of spike and anya having sex from her brain oh my god you have no idea how much i'd be on buffy's tail i'd be like i'm coming too like i need to know <coughs> xander beats up on spike a bit and he's like get up get up you're just gonna sit there and do nothing that's the kind of man you are and spike's like i'm not gonna fight you with the chip and danner put <laughs> gut punches him and then he's like too bad and he pulls out a stake and Anya runs out and says, stop it. And Buffy catches up as well. And Xander says, don't even try to deny it. We saw it all. The whole beautiful show. And Anya says, how? And then she's like, it was just a thing. I, I felt bad and he was just there. And oddly enough, Buffy says to Spike, didn't take long, did it? <sighs> so there's going to be a lot of starts and stops because this, I wanted to address this right away. Buffy, you're the one that told him earlier in the episode to move on. And I get it, even though Buffy wants him to move on, that she wants to move on, you're still going to feel a certain way if the guy that you had a thing with sleeps with someone else a couple days after you break up, right? You're, you're always going to feel a certain way. But I just felt like that was such a strange line for them to give to Buffy to say, like, didn't take you long. So now I have to start asking myself, because of that face that she made when she saw them having sex on the computer, what is Buffy feeling right now? Right. And is it just disappointment? Is it just like, oh, he's moving on way quicker than me. But she already knew that from the wedding. So do we have to start grappling with the idea that maybe this is kind of kicking Buffy into thinking maybe she feels a little bit more than what she was originally saying? Yeah, that's fair. I think also Buffy's just really shocked because, you know, the idea of Spike moving on with somebody that she knows and possibly like, has he told Anya about them She's been trying to play it cool, but I think the idea that actually Spike's the one telling people about them, she doesn't like that much either. So I think there's a lot going through Buffy's brain right now. Mm -hmm. So Xander says, you had to do it because he was there like Mount Everest, like I used to be. And Anya's like, then you weren't. You left me at the altar. I don't owe you anything. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I found this dialogue a little stilted, to be completely honest. In what way? Well, like Xander's next line, right? So you go out and bang the first body you could find, dead or alive. Like, it just, it's not really landing for me. It's just mm -hmm. like, the, the fight feels really contrived and the dialogue feels stilted in that way. They actually, the whole scene feels stilted to me. I'm glad that you brought that up because Spike is just like, he didn't fight back and he's just sitting there looking off into the distance, <laughs> like not even like engaged. The four of them, like this little rectangle now, like, you know, like it's not even a triangle. Like this is the weirdest 
couple face-off that like this show has ever given us because the show usually isn't about this kind of stuff you know like usually there's a lot more going on than couples sleeping with each other and then confronting each other about it so um did we forget about season three and the affair and yeah but they didn't have a big showdown right there right they all dealt with it separately in their own ways (laughs) steph is like i much prefer when people don't discuss their drama and just deal with it separately and then it's really awkward and nobody's friends anymore (laughs) i'm just saying like uh, a big dramatic blowout in the middle of the street is not very Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This is something new. Um, And I agree with you. It feels a little bit stilted. It feels very contrived. So Anya says, where do you get off judging me? And Xander says, and this is your solution to our problems. I hurt you and you and you hurt me back. Very mature. Um, I'm going to stop you right there, Xander, because Anya didn't know you were watching. (laughs) Anya didn't know that you were going to find out immediately, like as it happened what she was doing with Spike. What she was doing with Spike had nothing to do with you, Xander, other than the fact that you're the catalyst. Yeah, but- I, I I think I think we need to address the fact that Anya and also Spike's kind of like consent and agency have been violated here. You know, the moment that Willow knew what she was seeing, she should have shut that down. Like, you do not have any prerogative to watch people have sex unless they've given you permission to watch them have sex. It's actually the trio's fault, really. And like, also, why did we even get to see that that the trio saw this happening as well? (laughs) Like, what? Because we needed to be reminded that they're immature boys who only care about watching porn. God. So, so Xander, (laughs) Xander, you're acting like this is all about you. They didn't know that you're watching. It wasn't done to hurt you. Okay. Anya says, no, the mature solution is for you to spend your whole life telling stupid, pointless jokes so that no one will notice that you are just a scared, insecure little boy. Point Anya. Xander says, I'm not joking now. You let that evil souls thing touch you. You want me to feel something? Congratulations. It worked. I look at you and I feel sick because you had sex with that. Um, Okay. Slut shame much? Shut up, Xander. Because now you're making me defend Spike, and I feel super dirty. But, like, it's not that bad. Like, yeah, he's evil, he's soulless, you know, he's dead. But, like, as Spike is about to say, right, it's good enough for Buffy. Like, yeah, like, Spike can give some, you know? Like, you're jealous, Xander, and that's a bad color on you at the best of times. Like... Yeah, it's slut-shaming for Anya, but it's also just like, let's just acknowledge that clearly Spike is a great lover, and we have to deal with that fact. Whether or not we like it, we have to admit it. And I know he's not thinking about it at the moment, but like he's also jabbing at Buffy, who's already slept with a vampire. Well, he doesn't right? know, right? That's why... He doesn't when... know he's, she's up with Spike, but she slept with Angel. So he, again, like him throwing this out, saying that it, like the fact that you got with that makes me feel sick. It is a subtle jab to Buffy before he even knows that it's way worse I than that. I see what you're saying, yeah. So yeah. Spike says it's good enough for Buffy. So he lets the cat out of the bag here. And... um. At first, I was like, this is pretty petty of Spike to just out Buffy just like that when Xander's the one that's having the meltdown here and like Buffy really has nothing to do with it. But I think he did it because Buffy had said that very strange thing earlier, right? It didn't take you long. Like, did they have to get Buffy to say that so that he could then give out the information? I don't know. But like, uh, how did you feel about him telling everybody right now? He's hurt. Hurt people hurt people. Um, he's doing this for maximum discomfort and awkwardness. It's a dick move, you know, but it's also like he's been threatening for a while to tell everybody. So I'm not shocked. I don't think Buffy's shocked. 
I think she's the one who told Don. Um, I think that matters most. Obviously, Tara already knows. I don't really care who tells Xander, like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It just, it seemed really petty that he threw it out here, but it does make sense. That's who Spike is. Spike being petty? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Must be Tuesday. <laughs> Xander says, shut up and leave her out of it. But then he sees Buffy's face and sh- it says it all. And you can literally hear the sound of Buffy falling off of Xander's pedestal. <laughs> The pedestal that he had her up on because he says, I don't want to know this. I don't want to know anything of this. So he drops his stake and he walks away. Buffy glares at Spike and then she follows Xander. So Steph, do you have wishes right now? (laughs) Getting punched in the face isn't enough for Xander this time. What do you wish Xander would face? I wish that he would get head lice. I wish that his apartment would get infested with bed bugs and he has to buy all this new shit. Uh, I wish that he is single for the rest of his life. Xander, you don't get a say on who Anya sleeps with because you left her at the altar, as she said. And you really don't get a say about who Buffy sleeps with even though you always have had a say for some reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you can't be mad that Buffy is fucking a demon again <laughs> when you've been fucking Anya for three years and Anya has more or less been a demon. Okay, but tell me how you really feel, Steph. <laughs> That's, that was my rant. How do you feel, Kara? I mean, I think you said it all. Like, I don't really have anything else to add here. I completely agree. Um, Xander acted incredibly inappropriately. He's being toxic. Shut up, Xander. Uh, Anya's allowed to make her own choices. Like you said earlier, is it a healthy choice? No. Is it a surprising choice, what she did here? Also no. Um, And it's her choice to make. And yeah, like whatever kind of responsibility we put on Anya in terms of like, oh, she should have seen, you know, Xander's behavior coming. Water under the bridge at this point, right? That happened. It's done. Xander left her at the altar. And as much as Anya has spent this episode wishing vengeance upon Xander, Xander is the one who is currently making the situation a thousand times worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also want to call back to what Buffy said at the beginning of the episode when she says she doesn't care if her friends find out because after what happened last week, they don't hate her, right? So that's what she said. And isn't it so sad that she actually thought that her friends were going to hate her for sleeping with Spike before last week happened? And it turns out that she was right when it came to Xander? I don't think Xander hates her. I I, I think Xander's just having a heated moment right now. Not that he hated her, but that he would take it really poorly. And, the, and he certainly did. So no wonder she was so scared of that. Well, that's just first. Xander. Well, yeah, but she, Buffy, for some reason, holds Xander's opinion very highly in her relationships and always has. And again, like I said earlier, Xander has held Buffy up on this pedestal this whole time and failing to see her as a woman that can make her own choices for whatever reason she needs to, who can make mistakes for whatever reason she needs to. That's something that he needs to go now and think about, right? Once he cools down. Yeah. That's a great point. So Spike says, bloody Xander buggered up everything. You know, I wish. And Anya says, don't. So clearly Anya got a bit of the revenge that she was looking for. But turns out it did not feel good at all. So music starts to play. Anya goes inside and starts cleaning up the mess in the store. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's very similar to when Buffy was trying to scrub out that shame, that that shame stain. <laughs> in um, as you were, uh, Anya's got to go start cleaning up the mess she made. So Tara is at Willow's door, and Willow again is just like hanging out on her bed. I guess she's like, "That's not my problem. That drama. I don't care." <laughs> so um, Tara is saying things fall apart, and they fall apart so hard. You can't ever put them back the way they were. I'm sorry. It's just. You know, it takes time. You can't just have coffee and expect. And Willow's like, I know. And Tara says, there's just so much to work through. Trust has to be built on again on both sides. We have to learn if we're even the same people we were, if we can fit it in each other's lives. It's a long, important process. And can we just skip it? Can you just be kissing me now? Willow goes up to her and they kiss. Fade oh, to black. It's so cute. And, like, it's a really good point, Tara, and I know we should still be mad at Willow for all the things she did to Tara, like, manipulating her memory, but they're also really cute, and I'm really shipping them just in this moment, and I think it's adorable to Tara's just like, I just want to skip all that hard stuff, and it's cute, and, like, oh, after everything that happened in this episode, I'm like, can we just have a nice thing, please? I think that's why the writers put that in there, right? Can we just skip all that and have a nice ending after all of that mess? Uh, I'm with you, Kara. I think it's cute. <sighs> like, a part of me is is mad at Willow. A part of me is like, no, you do need to go on the important stuff in order to get everything that she said already, right? Trust and compatibility. I'm sure they're going to go to couples counseling. That's going to be the next episode is Tara and Willow going to therapy. It's going to be fine. Well, because I know the next episode that's coming up, no spoilers, but you know what? I'm going to give them this scene. I'm giving it to them. All right. Um, thanks for ending on a happy well, note. I mean, again, yeah, no spoilers. The This scene is here to rush things because they need Tara and Willow to be together in the next episode. No so. reason why. They're just, they're just kind of like, okay, let's let's just speed uh. it along. They had a coffee date and everything's fine. Cara, though, that's the thing. It's like, it, that bothers me. But you know what? Hey, it is sunny, what it is. The Sunnydale, hey, the Hellmouth. It repairs relationships as fast as it tears them apart. Mm, I love that for Sunnydale. So who is your hero? I chose Willow because she did a really good job with Tara, right? She was really smooth in her awkward, adorable Willow way. It seemed like she was making lots of progress with that coffee date before Anya came in and totally failed to read the room as she does. And then, of course, she was super helpful with the hacking. Again, a little bit of judgment for letting the, the voyeurism last longer than it should <laughs> we're not even thinking that it's voyeurism she's just like look at this <laughs> yeah but i think you know she was very helpful in this episode and she has come a long way in general so i'm gonna say whoa good choice uh i chose donovan i think that donovan summer's did a really great job this episode in being supportive of buffy like we said she didn't make it about herself um and the things that were about herself she was owning up to right she, she apparently she returned everything that she stole that she could re return and she's paying back and she's gonna work for anya and make she it she has right. also made progress yeah she's making progress and she's not wishing anymore good for donifer and more importantly Kara, we didn't really talk about it when it was happening but dawn wants to be taken seriously by the scoobies she wants to be an actual scooby and can be considered more of an adult in this group and i think a really important step for her to do that is to say what she wants. And she told Buffy straight up, I want to start patrolling. I want to start keeping myself safe. I want to learn from you. And Buffy shot it down, but it is part of growing up is to start voicing things that you think are going to be good for your development. So good for you, Donna Summers. Cool. Let's talk some hot steaks. 
Our first hot take is from Eliza about Hell's Bells um, and the scene when they're looking into the supposed future with Anya having makeup parties with the pink car. Uh, Xander is hating on Mary Kay Cosmetics. And Eliza wants to share some perspective and say, you know, I've had these parties uh, as a part-time job. Um, So I hope for an extra lot of Xander slander in your upcoming episode, because to get the kind of car that Anya has, um, you have to sell a lot. So Anya must be very good at this job of selling Mary Kay cosmetics. And I think that's an interesting point. Oh, she's also keeping her family afloat. So there you go. Thanks. Our next hot steak is from M, who writes it about as you were. Uh, M says, I like to think that Buffy can use guns. (laughs) She's used tranquilizers and the zappy guns from the initiative, but pretends she can't as an excuse to wreck Spike's stuff. (laughs) Remember, remember, she shoots like his pillow and his records. (laughs) She's just been humiliated, got caught sleeping with Spike by the only boyfriend she's had a healthy sexual relationship with. She can't speak for herself with either Riley or Spike because they constantly speak for her, which is super frustrating. I'd want to wreck shit too. So go ahead, Buffy, wreck Spike's shit and waste Riley's bullets because they are both losers who can't take having a woman be stronger and smarter than them. Also, really pissed that Riley didn't ask her about dying. She clearly been through so much more. (laughs) I'm laughing, Em, this is an epic rant. More than his tiny little stale white bread brain could comprehend. And he has the gall to judge her. He didn't have an excuse to do suck jobs with Bambi sex workers, but Buffy totally does. Leave Buffy alone. Love that so much, Em. Amazing. (laughs) Please go back to our older episodes and send us rants about those two. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Our final hot stake, rounding out the E representation today, we have Elijah, who wants to talk about normal again and a connection with Ted, an episode from season two. Two. Uh, When Ted threatened to show Buffy's diary to Joyce so that Buffy would be sent away to a hospital, I realized that's a very real and personal threat to Buffy because of what happened to her. Um, While I don't think this detail of Buffy's backstory had been planned that far back, the subtext was always there, from Ted's threat in Season 1 to Joyce's initial dismissal of Buffy's Slayer confession in Season 2. Of course, Ted, again, was actually Season 2. And then Elijah says, we miss Joyce, but once Buffy was proven not to be insane, do we think Joyce ever apologized for committing Buffy to a psych ward or did her special brownies make her forget? So yeah, I don't think we really got into that too much last episode, but like um, the fact that the, the writers chose to kind of retcon this part of Buffy's life, it does cause us to reevaluate Joyce's parenting. Yeah, and I like to think that she didn't bring it up because it's probably super awkward for them to have brought up. But also leaning into the brownie theory, she probably just was so high on band candy all the time. Like, she's just like, that doesn't matter. <laughs> Let's move yeah. on. Let's let this in the past. Uh, thank you so much to our Buy Me A Coffee supporters, especially our chosen ones. Jasmine, Susanna, Reese, Joshua, Luis, Nicola, Julian, Jordan, Kayla, Holly, and Lizzie. Rochelle, Amy, Ricky, Tasha, Haley, Jace, Allison, Erica, Destiny, Kyle, and Emma. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can't afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join us in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook prophecy underscore girls on twitter also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website prophecygirls.ca where you can find the link to our discord can't wait to hear from you praise malik see you next week